Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Renewables. I'm your host, David Smart, Senior Vice President of Sales at Biostar Renewables. And a big shout out to Casey Riley and Vince Basso with the Flat, excuse me, Fat Plant Society, who are on the show today. Really excited to have you here. And thank you so much for making some time to come on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I, and you're sporting the, the plants in the background, which is amazing. I love that. It's not every episode. Most episodes, in fact, we, we don't get to see uh, the products or you know whatever we're talking about right in front of us. So I love it. Uh, Biostar Renewables is actually kind of in some conversations with you all about having um, one of these amazing moss walls made for our office. So really excited uh, to have you on the show and to talk about all the amazing benefits of these products. Um, Casey, if you don't mind uh, starting us off, just kind of tell us a little bit about your background and story um, and and how you ended up co-founding this business with your husband. Um, the Reader's Digest version is, uh, um, we were living in Copenhagen. We found ourselves living in Copenhagen um, in 2015. And Copenhagen is wonderful. My husband was born and raised there. Um, we we absolutely love Denmark. We miss it terribly. And then we were um, living in Copenhagen and sitting in the window of a bar while it was raining, drinking a glass of champagne and trying to kind of, you know, figure out the next step, having, having each of us had various careers prior and we found Kansas City was calling us and we started talking we started workshop workshopping the business idea and realized immediately that there was no place else in the entire world that we would want to start a business other than Kansas City so fortunately we had uh, only rented our house we hadn't sold it so um, we were able to return to our home here in Kansas City and uh, we launched the Fat Plant Society in 2016. At the time, we were looking um, really strongly to ver- vertical gardens, vertical gardens of any kind. Um, we started off actually utilizing succulents, and and you've, I'm sure you've seen them. Uh, Vince, I know you've seen them. Um, they do really, really well in the Southwest. Um, they're, they're, succulents are such wonderful plants and they're sustainable. We were looking for something that didn't require a lot of water, sustainable products being, you know, uh, an important aspect. Um, but then we discovered moss and, and that was it. I mean, talk about love at first sight, love at first scent, love at first touch. Um, everything about it is just um, absolutely wonderful. And then when you add on the sustainable aspects of moss and the fact that it doesn't need watering, um, we started to immediately see the application for design. So, yeah. Really cool. And I, I love, um, we'll have your website and anything else we kind of discussed today in the show notes, but love the custom designs that you can do. Um, it seems like it's a pretty versatile product and you can do a lot with it. So let's kind of dive into, you know, these are moss walls, I believe you call them. Uh, talk about some of the benefits besides looking amazing. 
Uh, talk about some of the benefits of, of moss walls in the work environment. Um, it's, there's so many. Um, I'll kind of, uh, the basics are soundproofing. It actually serves as what I, what, what people don't know is that I'm actually in a highly urban area and I'm sitting in my dining room next to a parking lot, a fairly busy parking lot. Um, so uh, it's a soundproofing material. And there are ways to enhance that soundproofing, but in and of itself, moss absorbs a ton of sound. Interestingly, it absorbs odors, but doesn't retain them. Mm. So I, I know this from what I do here in my home, which is why I feel like it's so, so ideal for um, um, healthcare facilities, fitness facilities, you know, any place that you want to keep smelling extra fresh. If I cook fish or, or fried chicken, which I do, uh, the smell goes away almost instantly. And wow. that didn't happen. So it's fascinating. It doesn't retain the smell when you when you stick your nose in it. Um, um, it really just smells like being in the middle of the forest. Um, so uh, it reduces volatile organic compounds in the air. So some of the furniture that we buy and the products that we use contain uh, many um, volatile organic compa compounds from formaldehyde to anything else. And it just gobbles those up as well. Um, so it makes the air you breathe cleaner. Um, when we talk about air quality, uh, I know there's been a lot of discussion about air quality and, and you know, how many plants does it take to really improve air quality? Um, some sources say it takes as many as 10,000 plants to improve air quality. What we can tell you is that um, on, an, on an anecdotal and experiential level, um, we just know that the spaces that we're in smell fresh and clean. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. The other thing that we notice at home is that the moss serves as an interesting barometer for our air quality. Um, when it's January and it gets very, very cold and the humidity level here in Kansas City drops to, you know, next to nothing, the moss will get a little bit more firm to the touch. Hmm. And that tells me that I need to flip on the humidifier. Um, that means my air quality is not so good. So I actually use it as a barometer for how the house is doing. And you can, that would apply to any space. If the sure. moss gets brittle, you need some humidity. So I would imagine you might find that with your pieces at home as well. Vince. Oh, yeah. Everything you just said, my wife is going to love this episode. And I promise you, we are going to have at least one of these in our house after she hears this episode. Um we cook a lot of fish at home and it provide, you know, sometimes can make the house stink. Um, soundproofing is one reason we're really interested at Biostar. We have this amazing office, but the walls are a little bit thin. And so we've kind of experimented with some white noise machines and, um, but that's one benefit. I think we could definitely, um, you know, use here in our offices at Biostar, but you mentioned air quality, and obviously, um, we've actually had some folks on the podcast with different products that improve air quality in buildings, um, more mechanical you know, stuff that you have to install in your HVAC units and things like that. But there's obviously been a huge, huge push for air quality since March of 2020 and COVID. Um, talk a little bit about... Uh, you know, COVID and um, I guess how, how did your business kind of navigate through COVID? And, you know, one thing that we had kind of briefly talked about before we started recording was just, you know, people want to connect 
with nature, right? And we went through this really weird phase in everyone's life that no one had really done before. We kind of locked ourselves inside. So talk a little bit about, it wouldn't be, you know, a podcast without talking about COVID, uh, at least right now, as we sit here in early 2022, talk a little bit about uh, the impact on your business. Uh, Early on, of course, when the, when the, you know, pandemic was first, you know, announced, we were worried that it would mean the end. We figured that, you know, the, the departure from office spaces would, would portend a, a very difficult time for us. And what we found was that the opposite was true. Um, and, uh, and I think it's those other aspects of biophilic design. I know we're going to talk more about, but the aspects of um, well-being and productivity and attention restoration. Um, I think those became aspects of work that people finally had time to attend to and to pay mm-hmm. attention to and to focus on. Um, so it's sort of working on two levels. On, on the first level, they were looking at design and probably like, you know, when you've gone on vacation and you come home to your house and you look at your house and you're like, oh, <laughs> I remember it looking like that, you know, or I, I, you know, and you, you see it with fresh eyes. I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of commercial um, space owners and a lot of business owners were looking at their space with fresh eyes. So that was the design aspect. But the other aspect was um, the information and the, um, the knowledge that we now have, which actually we've had for a while, of things like attention restoration theory. Kaplan and Kaplan were psychologists who developed that back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, and what that means is that if you're sitting and working diligently at a task, it actually is very beneficial to look up and see something green and then return to your task. Mm-hmm. It restores attention. Um, the other pieces include things like um, greenery in a space improves feelings of well-being by 40%. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes as little as 40 seconds of looking at nature um, to lower your blood pressure and, mm-hmm. and induce feelings of well-being. And Vince, I know you had some thoughts about uh, nature and what that meant in your world. Um, Talk about that. that You you said some some wise things earlier today. (laughs) Well, that's rare. Well, uh, to build off what you were saying, um, you know, we spent a lot of time in the built environment in offices and some of us had the opportunity to get out of there and uh, spend a little time or work from home and uh, we somewhat connected. I, I will tell you that I went to uh, park close to me, Shawnee Mission Park, and we needed stop signs on the sidewalk over there because there was so many people. The benefit of that or what came off of that is that people realized that was missing from their lives, whether it was at, in their homes or the built environment. And part of it is you're seeing that employers are struggling to get people back in the office because there's some new demands by employees like, hey, love to be there for eight hours, but we kind of need some things that make us feel a little bit better or to come into an environment where I feel comfortable. I can be creative. If I'm that that side, I can sit and think. Um, And it's that conversation goes on all the time with people, Uh, you know, so to take, take your name, but um, you, we renew ourselves when we go out to nature anyway, I'm, I'm a fanatic on being outside. I'd rather be there 24 hours of the day anyway. Um, you know, the Japanese are way ahead of us on this, like so many other things. And Shinrin, uh, Shinrin Roku is uh, forest bathing. And, and it's not about going somewhere. You can go on a hike, but it's about being in the middle of it. 
Um, in fact, it's about being there and having no agenda and just being with it, smelling it, hearing it, tasting it, feeling it, all of that. It changes your blood pressure. It changes your attitude. Um, and it's that idea that we talk about in the built environment, which is generally cold. There's cement. There are hard surfaces. There are things that aren't very friendly most of the time. And most of our chairs aren't very comfortable or friendly either. So if you're walking into a lobby or if you're walking into the office that you're going to spend a lot of time in, it's very welcoming. And um, uh, people understand that that's the new normal now. Uh, we have to somewhat give someone a virtual hug, if you will, when they come in, whether they're employee or whether they're a customer. And well, that's kind of what the MOSS does. People comment on it immediately. Yeah. I, I keep using the tagline, and I don't know if it's corny or not. It might be corny, but um, MOSS is the reminder. So interior MOSS is a reminder that you're never far from the forest. And here in Kansas City, we are fortunate. We have so many parks. We have so many places where we can access nature. And then just to, you know, to bring that inside. Um, but it, we, we've, been, we've been busier than ever, ever during the pand pandemic. And again, you know, I, to use the cliche of the silver lining, that was, that was what COVID gave us. Um, and I think what it gave a lot of office owners is, is just kind of, you know, and, and everyone in general is a chance to reconnect with nature. And, and to your point, Vince, um, a hike in the forest was one that for a while, that was like the only safe thing a person could do really. Correct. You know, you could distance yourself and, you know, people might take the family and the kids. And so, yeah, I think Absolutely. I think COVID has led to a wonderful resurgence and appreciation for nature as a whole. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we go I go camping every summer. Uh, my wife's family's from Maine and we go up to Canada and we camp in the Fundy National Park. And we haven't been able to for two years because of the travel restrictions and everything. But that is my annual reset. Right. It's like I, my phone doesn't work out there. I have no agenda. Um, I, I, it, it's kind of a time to slow down and it's, it's hard to really, um, that, that's a, a bit subjective, but I think it's really interesting. You know, there is a lot of research out there that sort of affirms all that and says this, this really does have an impact on us. So um, I'm sure you all have done a lot of research on that. If there's any anything we should include in the show notes about that kind of research, you know, we'll, we'll have you uh, let us know and make sure it's available for our, our listeners and viewers to kind of dig in a little bit more on that. Cause it is super interesting. Once you start to really look at how the built environment impacts your ability to be productive and to feel good and, and everything like that. Um, Casey, you, you touched on it a little bit. Let's talk about the bios educate our, our listeners and viewers uh, on what biophilic, biophilic design means and biomimicry. These are terms that I was not familiar with before this podcast. So uh, Vince or Casey, please educate us on that and, and why it's important. Um, the, so, you know, kind of crib notes on the terms, you know, uh, biophilia is anything green in plant form. So, you know, that can be anything biophilia includes anything from grass to moss to your favorite orchid. Um, so that's a kind of an all encompassing term. And I'd be really remiss um, 
if I didn't mention what I can, well, what everybody considers to be the fathers of biophilia as a concept of biophilic design, it starts with Eric Fromm. Um, he was a philosopher and um, a sociologist, a highly humanistic philosopher. Um, he's He talks about biophilia as an affiliation for other forms of life. So in that sense, he's not even relegating it to plant life. It would be, you know, all other forms of life. Um, I'm lucky enough every year to see praying mantises in my yard. And, you know, that's just great fun. I've like my iPhone is just loaded with photos of them. It gets weird. Um, so from but we, we lost from in I want to say 1980 is when Eric Frome passes away. Then E.O. Wilson um picks up on that notion. And E.O. Wilson, um, he was on the University of Harvard for many years. And he comes up, he takes the, the concept of biophilia and he develops what he calls the biophilia effect theory. That's when he starts really looking at what it does to us. How is nature good for us? How does it help? Um, what are the benefits? Um, E.O. Wilson actually just died in um, December just this past December. And I had been wanting to, he, see, he seemed like such an incredible person. Um, since we founded the company, I kept telling my husband Morton that I wanted to get in the car and just drive to his house and <laughs> knock on the door and ask if I could come in for tea because he just, he just seemed like uh, such a wonderful person. Uh, but my favorite, I think, takeaway from E.O. Wilson was that he, he argued that we are all on... Um, the, the basis of all of our behavior goes back to what he calls a genetic leash. And that's not a leash in a bad sense, meaning we are tethered to nature and nature is tethered to us. And I just really like that expression, the genetic leash. Um, then uh, lastly, and probably most recently, Stephen Keller, who was on faculty at Yale, um, he really takes the concepts and runs with them. He passed away in um, 2017. Um, but I would say that biophilic, so we've got biophilia, we've got biophilic design, which is the applied use, and then biomimicry. And biomimicry is really more of the, the engineering aspects of the bio terms. That's, um, there's a company we've worked with out of Toronto, Ontario, that I always like to, to mention because they're doing such, such great work. It's called Biomimicry Frontiers. And what they're doing is they're looking to nature to improve the processes of everything that we do whether it's utilizing the structure of a calla lily. If you're familiar with what a calla lily looks like, it's got a very long trumpeted shape at the top and a very, very long um, stem. How the heck that plant gets the water from, you know, from pistil to, to root, so to speak, is incredible because it's one of the most efficient delivery systems that exists. Mm. Well, rather than, you know, it turns out, Go figure, Mother Nature's smarter than we are. So there are so many aspects of, of nature that we can use as a guide for, um, for engineering, for product development. Um, honeycombs, honeycombs open and close naturally, depending on um, how strong the wind is and how much air is needed to flow through. So mm -hmm. now there, you know, we can, the idea that we could create walls that breathe like that, you know, it's, it's just fascinating. So that's biophilia and biomimicry, you know, sort of using those concepts to apply it to product development. Biophilic design obviously um, is, is a design concept, 
but I would say it's a strategy. I think biophilic design is a strategy for recruitment. Like Vince mentioned before, attention, um, uh, culture of a workplace. Um, I think, I think, you know, again, to what Vince said, people do want that virtual hug when they walk in the door, even if they darken that doorway, you know, three times a week now, instead of five, um, they still want that. Um, I think it's a, it's a strategy on all of those levels. And frankly, it's even a marketing strategy. Um, we have, um, I was fortunate enough to do a podcast interview with the American Marketing Association, their chapter here in KC, um, specifically on green marketing. Because what, what Moss does is it says to the, the visitor or client or, or you know, potential partner or hire, um, it says a lot about your ethos the minute that you walk in the door. In, in marketing, we call it WAM, green word of mouth marketing. And, and sort of um, to, to the point that your guest, Mark Herrera, like technologies made, that really enjoyed that podcast, highly recommend. It was really, really good. Um, there's, we have a different set of expectations. And if we're lucky enough to, to look to nature and find that what nature is already doing, works really really well then why not run with it um so i think it's a i think it's a strategy more it it, goes beyond design and into into kind of a an overarching strategy for work life as we know it i love it well um if i wasn't sold before i'm even more sold now and no i did not pay casey to mention one of my previous podcast episodes. She really listened to it on her own. And I appreciate that so much. The episode with Mark Herrera and Air Carbon is a fascinating product. Everyone, everyone go check that out. Okay. So let's dive into what you really do here. Let's dive into the products. First, um, I want to talk about the Moss, but first talk about some of the different applications and some of the different ways that you really create products for the workspace or for the home. I've seen lighting. I've seen little uh, framed stuff. I've seen big stuff on walls. Talk, talk about some of the different applications. Hey, Vince, will you grab that frame behind you? That we go as small as this. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and that's two foot by two foot. Um, and then as large as 28 feet, we did a wall wow. um, in Olathe, Navitas, and Smith & Voucher Engineering. Um, they retooled a building in Cedar Creek in Olathe last summer. I've and been we- there, actually. But not, not since, I think not since, um, well, I've been to their office. Maybe they have a new building. But I'm familiar with them. So that's really cool. At least I, I know how to get there. So you're so right. And the, the new office, <laughs> say that again, Vince. It sounds like a field trip then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Their new office is just a hop skip. It's kind of a stone's throw from the original location. Okay. And what's neat about it is that it backs up a ravine or a wooded area. And it's got these wonderful windows. And when you walk in, you're immediately presented with the desk and the lobby and a set of stairs that goes downstairs to um, Smith and Voucher and then all the way through to Navitas. And the wall is on the left-hand side as you enter and it encompasses both floors. Wow. So it's 30 feet 
give or take, probably give. Um, and it's comprised of pillow moss. And what I've, what I've got beside me, um, we work with virtually every kind of moss. I mean, we've never met a moss we didn't like. Um, but that, that piece, that wall happens to be pillow moss. And it was really fun to create a pillow moss of that scope because um, it just, it, the pillow moss is darker in color. I, I can pull one, but it, it's darker in color than the reindeer moss. And so um, it, it created this connection between that forest outdoors and what was going on inside. So it's like inside and outside are married and then it's flanked by these windows. So, um, so we, you know, everything from the, the frame that Vince has to we've got a 30 foot wall at John A. Marshall Company in Lenexa. That's, that's a curved wall comprised of reindeer moss. Um, but we also do, and well, the, we do a lot of custom work. The majority of that we do is B2C, or excuse me, B2B and it's custom and it's fun we just did an installation last week for the futures group the futures group wanted a piece and they wanted it branded so we created the f in their logo and that floats on top of the moss cool. so you know as a as a workplace you know you've got branding going on um you know whether people want to incorporate a tagline we've had clients uh, fresh karma dispensary um, which has numerous locations in this area. Um, we started off in St. Joe with them and um, then we did um, their Kansas City location and they applied neon. So their first wall was reindeer moss and then they went, um, they opted for pillow moss and they've got the Fresh Karma, their logo in neon over the top of that. Um, but I think the easiest, most accessible product and the thing that I know Vince talks about this a lot when he meets with clients because we created it exactly for that reason is our skinny panel. And um, the skinny panel is 48 inches long and six inches wide mm -hmm. and it's feather light. And so you can be, it can be hung vertically. It can be hung horizontally. Um, it weighs less than five pounds. It essentially is the building blocks of, of anyone's personal moss design. Um, our residential clients really like it uh, because they can, you know, it's, it's not asking for a lot from a wall. It's, it doesn't ask much of you by being so light. And then we've had clients buy say two skinny panels and then order three more six months later or a year later as sure. they just kind of try to, um, you know, uh, extend the moss to other areas. Really cool. And yeah, I, um, I could, I've seen on your website, some of the amazing custom stuff, but really love that you also have some products that are, you know, just easy to, to hop on there and buy. Talk about sourcing the moss. Where, where does it come from? And then I want to get into, which was my biggest question when we, we first started talking, is it dead? Is it alive? Uh, but talk about where the moss comes from and, and how you source it. We're, we're a little bit different um, from some of the other moss companies across the country and frankly, across the world. Um, we source our moss um, in the U.S. and in the United States. And when, when we talk to folks who may have learned about moss for the first time, and, and I know Vince has had this experience in the field as well, they'll often reference something called polar moss or they'll talk about Nordic moss. Um, and there are, um, you know, there are companies all over the world doing really, really wonderful things and doing really beautiful work. But we have um, 
we have a relationship with our um, favorite man in the world in Florida, um, you know, and he is, he's doing something a little bit different than, than I think some, than other products we've seen, I'll say. And what I'll say about American moss in contrast to polar moss or Nordic moss is that, as you can see, the reindeer moss that I've got here is, um, it comes in larger clumps. It's thicker, stronger. I sound like such an American saying all this, but it's stronger, bigger, sturdier. Um, and, and it is all of that. It just, it's a different texture. It, it's hardier. Um, frankly, we find it easier to work with. Um, it, it's just, it's got a little bit more heft to it. And, and our, our vendor is just, he's an, frankly, he's an artist at what he does and um, the way that he is able to utilize the color and then ensure that the color um, stays um, is, is truly remarkable. Um, to answer your question about whether or not it's alive or dead, I always say it's neither. Um, it's dormant. It's neither, neither living nor dead. It's merely dormant. <laughs> and um just last week, because of Earth Week, there's a woman, um, an, an American woman named Robin Wall Kimmerer. Um, and I want to get this right because she's uh, pretty amazing. Um, she is a mother, a scientist, a decorated professor, and an enrolled member of the Citizen Potawatomi Nation. Um, so she, she, she writes extensively, extensive prose about moss. And she writes about it in such a loving way. And last week she wrote an article, she printed an article called Ancient Green. And she said, mosses were the first pl plants to blanket the earth. And I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if they are also the last. Hmm. Um, and what she's getting at is that moss, it grows on anything. So, so like to, to comprehend how I can be, we can be working with this dormant product is to go back to, to understanding it period. And that mm -hmm. is think about what moss grows on. It grows on rocks. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't have a, a com, uh, I don't want to say that the root system is not complex, but it's a very different root system than most other plant forms take. So you'll see it growing abandoned cars Um I uh, I know, but I see it all over. Um, you know, when it's when it's cool and 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 wet enough, um, and it's it's just so terribly forgiving. Um, the worst thing that happens with moss is like as I mentioned earlier, when the humidity level drops, it may become a little bit brittle to the touch. The worst mm -hmm. that happens is that you might get a few you know tiny pieces of moss lint that drop mm -hmm. to the floor. And that's easily swept away. I mean, to plant people, doing a little cleanup around a plant is really nothing to ask, you know. Sure. I mean, that's 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 the thing. And and the other thing about it is that even though, uh, so even though it's dormant, it's still going to change color, and it's going to appear different um, depending on the light source. I'm looking at the piece behind Vince right now and I'm noticing how vibrant it is because I can tell he's got a lot more sunlight in his space than I have. And then, and so if you, you know, contrast the color I've got behind me with the color he's got behind him, that's just lighting and time of day. And that so, was a that, huge, that was one of my questions, sorry to interrupt, was about does it need light? So that's a perfect transition. Uh, Cause I, I was curious about, do you have to water it and how much light does it need? 
Done. Uh, wow. Are your pieces still in the in the same shape they were um, originally, Vince? Absolutely. In fact, it's interesting you said that. When I brought it from what is the dining room into my office, I noticed the color right away because I don't have them in direct light in there, and I do here in the office. Mm. And, uh, you know, I know we talked about it a million times, but that was what a great example of that. It does, it does bring in the light differently. Yeah. And we Being often a, recommend. Um, product, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, the futures group, when we left that installation, their plan was to install a little halogen or LED light right above it. Um, they have a huge space. Um, I've got a reel of it on, on our Instagram feed, but they were going to, they wanted to highlight that a little bit more, you know, um, and for, for branding reasons and for, for other reasons, but it is, it's kind of like a piece of art that just changes throughout the day, but no direct sunlight needed, no watering, no misting. I, I really warn customers during the winter when they get a little bit nervous, um, no, don't water it or mist it. If it's really bothering you that it's a little brittle to the touch, take the piece. And this is especially easy with a skinny panel. Take it off the wall, bring it into the shower, not the shower shower, but bring it into the bathroom while you take mm-hmm. a shower, close both doors and then let it soak up the steam. Hmm. Wow. So you've kind of answered my maintenance question. It sounds like there's not a lot of maintenance involved, which is amazing. Um, and one other question, I, I just, given the kind of topics that we cover here, um, transitioning a little bit, um, into just w- about more about you and the company and, and about Kansas city. Cause I never get to talk to people in Kansas city. Um, so are you from Kansas city? Why Kansas city? I know you, you mentioned earlier that Kansas city was calling you. Uh, and I just don't hear that enough on the podcast. So talk a little bit about why Kansas city and, and why you decided to, to make this home base. Um, I'm not a Kansas city native. Um, I was born in Iowa. Um, moved a lot growing up. Um, ended up graduating from high school in Ontario, Canada. Um, didn't come to Kansas City um, until 1999. Um, I, uh, my husband, Morton, and I were living in Copenhagen at the time. And um, for, for lots of reasons, primarily family, um, we had an opportunity here. And when, when I first came to Kansas City, I, I had never been here before. And I couldn't, I'd, I'd gone north to Chicago and Minneapolis. And by the yeah. way, Burr, yeah. <laughs> Burr, really cold, um, lasted one winter and only one winter in, in Minneapolis. And, you know, hats off to every Minnesotan because I'm, I'm not made of that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not a Viking. Um, <laughs> my, my husband is, but I am not. Um, and I was really amazed at what a, uh, what a livable city it is. Um, the cost of living um, the friendliness of the people, but the primary reason is what I call Kansas city kind. Um, and I know Vince has experienced a lot. He's a native. (laughs) You're a native of Kansas city kind. Um, that means people do what they say they're going to do. They make you a promise. And this applies to, I think in business as much as, and I'm not saying that's not true everywhere, but I think it's especially true here. If somebody says, Hey, we're going to have you over for a barbecue about a week, you know, less than a month later, they will call you and have you over for, you know, and, and, and they say, I'll make this connection for you business-wise. They do it. It's, 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 it's pragmatic. It's no nonsense. Um, and, and it's kind. 
Um, I've lost my wallet in this city more times than I, um, you know, <laughs> want to share with you. And every single time it is returned to me with everything intact. And, and that's, that's, that's no lie. I mean, that's a really special thing. So, um, Vince, you might have something to add. I know you're pretty fond of this well, place. I'm definitely a homer for sure. I had the opportunity to live in Phoenix for seven years and love it. Still love the Southwest. There's a lot of succulents down there in yep. your yard even. Uh, but Kansas City's home. And uh, as much as I loved it down there and we'll have some presence down there at some point, I guess I'm a small town guy and Kansas City is that. But, um, you know, it's very authentic. We're, we're seeing that, I think, in the resurgence of downtown and everything going on, too. Um, uh, and everybody's proud to talk about Kansas City and downtown, and we're, we're proud to be a part of that. I mean, that's uh, we, you see us everywhere in the built environment, and it, it's very exciting to turn a corner and go, oh, look at that. I forgot about that one. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I always say it's a big, small town, not a, not a small, big city. Um, but I'm curious, do you do business nationally? I mean, are, are most of your installations and sales here in Kansas City, or are you um, selling these amazing walls and, and pieces around the country? We are around the country for sure. In fact, uh, Casey, are we, are we in Canada too? More than one installation in Canada. We have an installation at the tri in the Tridel building, which is um, the Tridel Forum building, um, which is right next to... Um, OCAD. OCAD is Canada's RISD. It's their school of, you know, art, art, art and design. Um, so we've got an installation there. And then we did, um, we also shipped ready to install panels up to ACPAR in Ottawa. So we're twice in Canada. Sorry to interject. Excellent. Awesome. No, that's great. I wasn't sure. I knew you'd have details on it. Uh, yep. So international, yeah. that's great. And, um, and I just wanted to throw that in there because if any of our listeners or viewers are listening and interested, uh, the Fat Plant Society is not at all geographically limited. So oh. definitely, um, definitely reach out to Vince or Casey if you're interested in coming up with a custom piece, or I know we can find uh, some information on your website. Before we start to wrap, as we kind of start to wrap up here, tell us what's in the store in store for the future what gets you excited you know what do you think the next kind of five to ten years look like for the fat plant society vance well, what do you see well you know i keep pointing towards the built environment that is only going to become a bigger challenge let's say um i think what they say is in 2015 you're gonna have six percent 66 percent of people living within the city living within the walls working within the walls um, not us lucky folks to get to drive 45 minutes out to the country and get renewed. But so that's a focus for us. And um, I'm working with a gentleman in Chicago right now um, who wants to do something different with his buildings. Um, he wants to create that atmosphere, uh, an area where folks in the building can work out, catch a rest. He, and which is a perfect area to have the moss down there because we don't have any direct light. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to continue to have the conversation about this has to be, something that is, uh, in talking with architects and designers, you know, this is uh, the genesis of a product instead of coming in later on, which we do, but uh, people are mentioning us early on. They want us to be a part of the project going forward. And how can we incorporate that? Whether it's 
some marketing piece with your logo and all, or it is just a welcome as you come into the lobby or within the hallways of the place we work. So I, I just think it's wide open for us. You know, it's maybe there's not enough of us. We just not keep running around having the conversation. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and pro, I mean, um, I'd love to see us in, you know, expand the footprint. We've got installations, you know, um, Tulsa, uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, I, I drove down myself. That was fun. But I'd really like to see an expansion into Colorado and Arkansas and, and have a stronger presence in Oklahoma, um, Nebraska, Iowa, my home state. Um, that's that's like just for home state reasons. I would really like to do an installation, you know, in, in the Des Moines, the greater Des Moines area. That would be really fun. Um, and then the nice thing about what we're offering is that it... There, there are other moss companies, but most of them are shipping the moss from overseas. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you purchase a, you know, one of our products, you know that it's being, especially if you're in the Midwest, it's made in the Midwest. The moss is sourced out of North Carolina, Kentucky, and Florida. Um, we're right here. So if, if the goal is keeping that carbon footprint to a minimum, you know, um, international shipping might not be we're right here. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Homegrown, right home assembled. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Um, and, you know, always do everything we can to kind of promote, you know, buying local, shopping local. Um, and, and I love that, that kind of soup to nuts, your product is really American made. Um, so you mentioned Instagram earlier, as we wrap up, uh, we joke all the time, you know, that our, our, some of our projects look pretty cool on Instagram, but we're just not sure Instagram is like the best platform for us. But I think for you all, I'm sure you have all these amazing installations and um, we certainly follow you on Instagram, but tell our listeners and viewers how they can find you online, uh, both if they're interested in a moss wall or in buying a piece from you, but also how can they just stay in touch with the company and, and follow along with the great work you're doing? Sure. Um, on, inst on Instagram, we're at the Fat Plant Society. That is where I post the majority, like all of the projects that you see on our Instagram feed are our completed original works. So um, we all are also on Pinterest and I've got a particular board that says Fat Plant Society completed works. Um, so uh, we're there. We're also on LinkedIn. We, you can find us at thefatplantsociety.com. Um, we have a contact form. We have a... Uh, um, a downloadable spec sheet for architects and designers. So if somebody wants to just get some cursory information and find out how the product works and you know what what this what the process is, that's downloadable. But one of the things I really love, and I guess this makes me very Midwestern, is, is I love it when I get a chance to actually talk to clients. So um, for those that that you know, give us a call and we promise we'll call you back and we'll have a conversation and, and walk you through, you know, what the process is, um, advise you based on our experience as to, you know, what works and where. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I would say that Instagram and our website are the, the two primary channels. And I know Vince has some additionals. Yeah, you can find, I've got uh, a few projects on there on bjbkc.com. And there's a, a tab for a Fat Plant Society. I just have some scrolling projects that are ongoing. Frankly, some of my favorites. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's another place to send folks. But Instagram is a fantastic spot for it. Yeah. 
Fabulous. Well, we will include those handles and a link to your website in the show notes. Casey and Vince, thank you so much for coming on the show. I love your product. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on and record an episode of Renewables. Thank you so much for having us, David. Absolutely. And best of luck in the future. Stay in touch. We love to have folks back on for, uh, to, you know, hear how things are going and uh, how your business is progressing and renewing. So uh, like I said, really appreciate the time. This has been another episode of Renewables. I'm your host, David Smart, Senior Vice President of Sales at Biostar Renewables. Have a great day. And I have to shamelessly plug to our listeners and viewers, please click the follow button so you can stay in touch with our upcoming episodes. We have a lot of really awesome episodes coming up in season two. So Casey and Vince, thanks again. And uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. 